Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 330. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. Since 2014, I have drawn from the input of the Slow Flowers community, from past guests of the Slow Flowers podcast, and from other progressive leaders in the floral industry, including farmers, florists, and design creatives, to predict the future. While by no means statistically accurate, the Slow Flowers floral insight and industry forecast does serve as a botanical crystal ball to identify emerging themes affecting the domestic floral industry. I'm excited to share these new key insights for the fourth year in a row. In addition to online and audio versions of this report, we are excited that for the first time, this report will appear in print in the pages of Florist Review's January 2018 issue. Florist Review has come on board as the lead sponsor for 2018, signifying a strategic partnership that acknowledges the many ways the Slow Flowers approach is moving into facets of floristry at all points along the farm-to-consumer pipeline. Florist Review is the only independent monthly magazine for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market, reaching the largest number of floral professionals in the industry. And I'm honored to have joined them as a contributing editor producing the monthly Slow Flowers Journal section, filled with unique content reflecting the cultural shift taking place in flower sourcing and design. Over the past 12 months, I've considered and observed, I've had conversations and done research, and all of that has added up to the 2018 Floral Insights and Industry Forecast. Think of these topics as your inspiration checklist for 2018, your next new and now report. Some of you are already engaged in these up-and-coming developments, so consider yourself on topic. I've titled this report, Botanical Diversity Without Boundaries, an overarching theme which reflects the disappearance of silo-like barriers that previously separated growers of flowers from sellers of flowers from designers of flowers. Thanks to technology and social media, the ability of conventional gatekeepers to control the flow of information and product has greatly diminished. Transparency is power, making it easier than ever before to identify sources of fresh and uncommonly beautiful flowers and foliage. So here's to a new floral landscape where accessibility is the driving force. You can find several resources at the show notes for episode 330 at deborahprinzing.com. Included is the PDF of the January 2018 article from Florist Review, which accompanies this podcast. It's also titled Botanical Diversity Without Boundaries, as well as downloadable PowerPoint slideshow that you can use to educate clients and colleagues about these 10 topics. As a bonus, I've also included the 2018 Floral Business Trends Report that I wrote for Florist Review based on input generated from a widely distributed online survey. I hope you find these forward-thinking resources important and valuable. I'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions after you hear and read them. So let's get started.
Number one, flower farmers diversify into seeds, bulbs, and plants. Beyond selling their crops to wholesale, retail, and independent florists, entrepreneurial flower farmers are finding new ways to turn expertise into cash, cash flow. This phenomenon has moved far beyond seed swapping and informal exchanges of plant cuttings. And one story of diversification comes from Bailey Hale of Ardelia Farm and Company in Irisburg, Vermont, a recent guest of this podcast. A trained horticulturist and two-time Philadelphia Flower Show gold medal floral designer through his former studio, Moda Botanica, Bailey now raises specialty cut flowers for farmers markets and florists and provides full service wedding and event design. He turned his own hunger for finding sources of uncommon couture flowers into a spin-off venture called Farmer Bailey, a custom plug brokerage. When he's not tending to his own farm, which is famous for producing sweet peas long into Vermont's cool summer months, Bailey has become a cut flower hunter. He evaluates new varieties, contracts with a large wholesale nursery to custom grow plugs of must-have cultivars, and markets his ever-expanding online catalog of irresistible choices to flower farmers and farmer florists like himself. Bailey saw an unserved opportunity in the marketplace and used his connections and ingenuity to fill that demand. The result is a thriving new venture and the chance to influence the types of blooms from asters to verbenas entering the floral marketplace. And a footnote to this entry, 47% of flower farmers who responded to the Slow Flowers year-end member survey indicated that they plan to begin selling bulbs and tubers to other growers and to consumers in the coming year, while 40% of you also hope to market plant starts to those groups. Diversifying farm income through new channels is a major topic for many of you, and I'll make a special effort to bring on podcast guests in the coming year to share what they're doing on this front. Number two, flower farmers launch direct ship wholesale programs. Shipping to designers in markets that don't otherwise have access to their unusual flowers, Gretel and Steve Adams of Sunny Meadows Flower Farm in Columbus, Ohio, have, quote, open doors to get our product to florists without having to physically deliver it, Gretel explains. Recently, their farm joined a shipping cooperative to take advantage of discounted overnight rates, which is an essential part of keeping their pricing competitive. After a season of testing packaging methods and learning to navigate the FedEx system, Sunny Meadows expects to unveil the Columbus Flower Company's National Wholesale Flower Shipping Program this spring, beginning with its huge ranunculus harvest. We'd like to be able to send flowers to designers in New York or Los Angeles or places that don't have access to a good flower market. Gretel says. As a wedding and event designer herself, Gretel feels she can add value for florists who order from her farm. My favorite clients are florists who give me an inspiration board and a budget, and I'll pull a mix of ingredients that I myself would use, she says. In Wires Cave, Virginia, Jessica Hall and her family run two businesses, Harmony Harvest Farm, which sells specialty cut flowers, grows and sells them, and Floral Genius, which is the producer of pin frogs and other flower frogs. Jessica also reports of plans to ship flowers in 2018, borrowing lessons learned from shipping flower frogs across the U.S. to Floral Genius's wholesale accounts. Harmony Harvest spent 2017 trialing packaging, stem hydration, and shipping methods 
to determine best practices for farm-to-florist wholesale shipping. I believe there's a collective army of smaller flower farms that can take care of the U.S. need, she says. They might be able to grow those flowers and see that it's possible to ship. I'm going to figure it out, and hopefully that will change the industry. So the Slow Flowers Year and Members Survey noticed that 27% of flower farmers are evaluating ways to ship flowers direct to florists outside of their existing distribution areas, while 21% of you are interested in shipping flowers direct to consumers. There's a lot of infrastructure and logistics involved in these new ways of moving flowers, and in the coming year, I'll continue to bring you stories on this topic, especially from small and medium-sized farms like Sunny Meadows Flower Farm and Harmony Harvest. Number three, retail garden centers add floral design services. Last year's Floral Insights reported the return of brick and mortar, which documented a possible reversal of the decades-long decline in floral retail, as I witnessed studio florists with a distinct local and community focus opening a new generation of retail flower shops. That trend is continuing, and the next wave in this shift continues in retail nurseries and garden centers, which are opening or reviving in-house floral shops with distinctly local emphases. Slow Flowers Journal recently featured the flower shop at O'Donnell's Nursery outside of Portland, Maine, which recently introduced full-service floral design as a sister business to a 60-acre tree and shrub nursery. Manager Rain Grace Hoke credits having a distinct aesthetic inspired by O'Donnell's existing extensive plant collection for much of the shop's success. On the opposite coast, Windmill Gardens, an independent garden center in Sumner, Washington, also debuted a new flower department. According to owner Ben DeGode, Windmill brought floral design in-house for the first time since 2001, taking over space once occupied by a tenant and rebranding as Windmill Floral Studio. The beautiful full-service shop has a commitment to providing only locally grown and American-grown flowers. The Slow Flowers movement and the Buy Local movement has inspired us to take floral back again, he explains. General Manager Wendy Patterson explains that the flower shop wants customers to support local farmers. There are obvious synergies for couples who book Windmill Gardens Outdoor Wedding Venue and hire Windmill Floral Studio to design their flowers for weddings that take place at the nursery. As noted, Slow Flowers has covered this emerging development in print, online, and in the podcast this past year. I want to hear from anyone who's involved in selling locally grown and American grown flowers through retail garden centers or nursery channels. I think this is a big opportunity for independent garden centers, flower farmers, and floral designers alike. And I hope to bring you more news on this front. Number four, flower farmers shift into retail. While it may seem counter-trend, a number of flower farmers are opening retail spaces in prime locations where their flowers are marketed alongside related hard goods and artisan products. It's a move welcomed by consumers who want to buy Farm Direct in urban and suburban markets. I've identified Chicago, Boston, and Albuquerque, among other cities, where flower farmers have opened retail shops to sell their blooms. In Boston, Field and Vase, a new venture of Stowe Greenhouses, has opened two retail spaces at the Shops at Prudential Center, a major downtown retail hub. Barbara Richa and Dave Buchholz 
incubated their first retail venture two years ago at Boston Public Market, a year-round indoor farmer's market with 40 vendors and a New England-grown mandate. Success in that venue attracted the attention of developers at the Tony Prudential Center, and this past September, their new business, Field and Vase, opened two locations at Prudential Tower. There's a permanent kiosk in the heart of the mall's central court and a full-service shop studio, that is large enough to accommodate custom design work, event production, client consultations, and ongoing workshops. Barbara says adding multiple retail channels to sell their farm's value-added flowers was an intentional decision. By selling the flowers they grow direct to consumers through retail, Field and Vase enjoys larger margins and gets out of the wholesale environment dominated by price competition with imports. Additionally, at the Prudential locations, the business promotes other flower farms that aren't set up to do retail themselves. We source within the U.S. because we believe in local, Barbara says. We want to be a venue for flower farms who don't have retail outlets themselves. This is another exciting move at the retail level, as this podcast has recently been reporting. You've heard from Barbara in Boston. You've also heard from Molly Colbelt and Heidi Joint of Field and Florist in Chicago, and from Emily Calhoun of Floriography in Albuquerque. And there are more Flower Farmer to Flower Shop stories to come in 2018. In our year-end survey, 15% of flower farmers indicated that they are exploring brick-and-mortar retail, with an even higher number, 57%, considering pop-up retail or on-farm retail projects. Florists who responded to the year-end survey are also looking at new models, with 14% exploring store-within-a-store or co-location with another retailer as an alternative to opening a solo flower shop. Number five, aromatherapy and wellness remedies. Botanically inspired fragrances, body care remedies, and other herbal and scented goods have a natural affinity for floral consumers. And I've noted some brilliant ways that florists are taking advantage of this. From developing their own candle and soap collections to offering aromatherapy-themed events, florists are tapping into ways to cross-promote flowers and aromatics. Stacy Carlton, AIFD of The Floral Culturist in Chicago, has made the fragrance connection for her customers with an aromatherapy bar service. It's a smart way to extend into a new revenue stream incorporated into parties and special events. Guests are invited to create a personal custom fragrance blend or to follow Stacy's cleverly personalized scent recipes. From intimate gatherings like bridal showers to large interactive events, the Aromatherapy Bar gives guests a social experience and a new way to engage with fragrance. Farmer Florist Hedda Brostrom of Full Bloom Flower Farm in Groton, California, is a certified herbalist who studied at the California School of Herbal Studies. She extends her farm's season by creating and selling small batch, field-to-face herbal and aromatherapy products. Full Bloom Flower Farm's skincare line includes rich hydrating creams made from roses, calendula, and lavender grown on Hedda's farm. A rosemary hydrosol is an organic spray that can be used either on the face after sun exposure or, because it's organic, used in cocktails after a long day of gardening. I love that versatility. Hedda's personal favorite product is the Injury Salve, which she uses after a day of farming to soothe her sore muscles. She sells her products online alongside other farm logo items like tank tops, sweatshirts, and hats. 
Hearing about Stacy and Hedda is just a teaser for more stories on this topic of health, wellness, and natural plant-based products. And you'll hear more on these in 2018. Nearly 30% of florists who responded to our year-end survey indicated their plans to add services in crossover categories such as aromatherapy and plant-based remedies. Obviously, these topics continue the theme of diversification. Number six, cause-related flowers. Flower farmers and florists alike are investing their talents in helping nonprofits and others in their communities. Floral philanthropy or flowers with heart efforts are inspiring. And I love seeing flowers used as a currency to change lives and advance important causes. A number of feel-good projects caught my attention in 2017, and I'm certain they will continue in the coming year. The Bloom Project, profiled recently in Florist Review, is a 10-year-old volunteer-run program that upcycles donated flowers into bouquets for hospice and palliative care patients in Portland, Oregon. On a national level, Christina Stembel's Farm Girl Flowers selects and supports a monthly nonprofit partner by donating a portion of sales for a signature bouquet in its product mix. We started our With Heart campaign because we wanted a way to give back to multiple organizations that are near and dear to our hearts throughout the year, Christina explains. It's also a way we can support many organizations that our team members are passionate about. Since it launched in April of 2017, Farm Girls With Heart program has contributed more than $70,000 to nine different charities raised through bouquet sales. I'm also impressed with charities using flower farming and floral design as a platform for change. It's inspiring to watch nonprofit farms that help teens and adults train for the workplace or those that provide sustainable jobs for individuals with different abilities. Some notable efforts include Muir Ranch in Pasadena, Wow Farm in Oakland, Blossom Farms in the Raleigh-Durham area, and Blooming on the Inside in Portland, as well as other socially responsible enterprises. The bottom line is that flowers can meet people where they are and be used as a positive tool to instigate change, stimulate progress, and enhance lives. Your feedback underscores the interest in cause-related flower farming and floristry as two of the hot topics ranked by respondents to our year-end survey. So we'll continue to cover this topic in the coming year. Number seven, from the forest, woodland-inspired botanicals. Past floral insight reports have identified cultivated wildflowers, flowering native plants, modern everlastings, and luxe tropicals as newly or re-emerging floral styles worth noting. Those have remained important, and to this list I'm adding from the forest. While the authentic, natural, earthy appeal of woodland-styled botanicals has long felt relevant in specific regions or seasons, the stylistic influence of the forest environment is reaching into unexpected places like bridal, wearables, and tabletop, not to mention everyday blooms. I think the forest attraction stems from people's desire to ground themselves in the thick of our digital age, says Toby Nelson of Toby Nelson Events and Design of Langley, Washington. It is related to the popular Swedish hygge movement, bringing a cozy, natural feeling that is in contrast to the sleek glitz of our modern society. There's also an appeal because branches, bark, moss, lichen, and evergreen boughs are distinctly domestic U.S. products. You're not going to see woodland materials shipped from the Southern Hemisphere, Asia, or Europe. And that means most everything from the forest is also American or Canadian grown. Carly Jenkins of Killing Frost Farm in Missoula, Montana, a farmer florist, has another suspicion as to the popularity of forest-themed floral design. She says, 
This look, I call this look forest vibes. I'm obsessed with moss and lichen all around, and I'm seeing more of an embrace of forest products, pine cones, dried mushrooms, moss, berries, bark, and more. To me, it feels slightly moodier, adding depth and maybe a little mystery to almost anything from a bouquet to a wreath to floral wearables. I agree. And as the year 2017 turns a calendar page to the year 2018, not only is the uncontrived earthiness of woodland-inspired botanicals Appealing to our sensibilities, I believe it heralds a wider embrace of seasonal floral design, local sourcing, and innovative creativity. I'm excited to share the news that Carly Jenkins of Killing Frost Farm and her frequent collaborator, Catherine Sherba of Mighty Fine Farm, are designing a woodland high fashion look for our, our upcoming American Flowers Week 2018 collection. I can't wait for you to see it during the big reveal, which will appear with all the other looks we've commissioned in the June issue of Florist Review. Stay tuned. Number eight, slow pottery. Florists are stepping into the realm of product development via innovative collaborations. This means an emergence of curated pottery and vase collections, as well as other product lines that allow florists to expand what they offer to clients. The demand for American-made pottery first caught my attention when the New York Times published an article in December of 2015 called The Budding Ceramics to Table Movement, with a subtitle, Why Handmade Ceramics Are White Hot. The article pointed out, the rejection of factory-produced sameness in dinnerware and vases reflects a desire to get back to something more essential. That report came to mind recently when I interviewed Heidi Joint and Molly Cobelt of Chicago-based Field and Florist, two floral entrepreneurs who operate a successful studio, farm, and new retail shop. The women seek out makers and artists with whom to collaborate on products that pair well with their gorgeous locally grown flowers. With Chicago ceramicist Angela Vinarchik, they've created a number of pieces, including the convertible vase, a two-piece vessel, which is a popular floral gift. It has a larger opening to accommodate a lush, full arrangement. And then when the lid is added, its smaller opening is the size of a bud vase for displaying only a few stems. This product is exclusive to Field and Florist, and it's gotten a lot of local press in the Chicago market. Samia Dunn of Providence, Rhode Island-based Flowers by Samia has commissioned a stoneware compote from local potters in her area, Jay Schatz, called the FBS vase. The chalice-shaped vessel is footed and comes in bronze, metallic black, platinum, or white, non-toxic, lead-free glazes. The shape is ideal for Samia's wedding and event centerpieces. She explains, I want to have exceptional things. I worked with Jay Schatz for a long time to get the perfect depth and shape. And I know that other people will want to use these for events as well. So you'll see photos of those beautiful vases in our show notes today and links to um, how you can order your own. In our year-end Slow Flowers member survey, the question of sourcing American-made products, including vases, tools, ribbons, and other supplies, ranked as number six in our hot topics for 2018. That dovetails closely with 28% of respondents who plan to add branded product lines such as candles and soaps. Finding a signature vessel that reflects your business and style is one significant way to differentiate. And that's why I believe slow pottery is an exciting theme worth exploring. I know I'll be watching for more examples to share with you. Number nine, new 
chemical-free mechanics. Progressive manufacturers are on the lookout for new products, and I anticipate a splash from one inspiring partnership about to hit the marketplace in 2018. Floral designer and educator Holly Chapel has teamed up with Syndicate Sales to unveil a new line of mechanic accessories and related vases called Holly X Syndicate. The Syndicate team, including President Laura Scheinall, Director of Product Development Trent Harshman, Director of Consumer Marketing Melanie Spielbeller, and Consultant Ann Graves, have worked closely with Holly to create the new plastic-based products that emulate the best features of the designer's chicken wire egg and pillow mechanics used for bouquet and centerpiece design. Lightweight, reusable, and recyclable, the new line includes two egg and three pillow cages in different sizes, along with clear black and white plastic compotes that look pretty and are considered less costly than glass pieces. According to both Syndicate and Holly, these will be available for purchase in January. That's right now. You can sign up for updates and ordering information at holly.syndicatesales.com, and I'll have that link and photos in our show notes. It is Syndicate's long-term goal to manufacture these items in the U.S. The prototypes and samples recently unveiled at Holly's Flower Stock event were made in Asia, but Laura Scheinall told me she hopes to soon be able to justify the tooling costs to bring the production back to Kokomo, Indiana, which, of course, I will celebrate. The wish to find alternatives to conventional floral foam and one's design mechanics continues to be a topic near and dear to the Slow Flowers community, so any news of innovation should be heralded. Congratulations to Holly Chapel and the folks at Syndicate for investing in their new product line. All are involved in Slow Flowers as members and sponsors, and it is a privilege to be aligned with them. In 2017, you also heard from sisters Jessica Hall and Stephanie Auville of American flower frog producer Floral Genius. And that duo promises to expand their foam-free product lines for florists and designers in the future as well. Number 10, plant-based dyes for ribbons and tabletop textiles. In the way that contemporary calligraphy and hand lettering have become an essential part of the branding of weddings and events, custom-dyed fabrics and ribbons are now inspiring components of couture floral design. There are a number of talented makers of small batch ribbon collections sold online or via their Etsy shops. Taking it a step further, the newest way to get custom colors and widths is to dye your own. This may mean planting a textile lover's dye garden as Leslie Bennett of Pinehouse Edible Gardens in Berkeley, California recently designed for a client, employing perennials, annuals, and herbs known to produce pigments for dyeing. Artists like Christine Vihar, author of The Modern Natural Dyer, or Sasha Dur, who wrote Natural Color, are teaching timeless textile dyeing methods through their books and workshops. They're both in the Bay Area. Beyond textile artists, however, I'm hearing from numerous florists exploring and learning how to create custom ribbon and textile palettes as an add-on service for wedding clients. I saw firsthand the possibilities of the natural dyeing process when florist and artist Susanna Luck taught a hands-on workshop in conjunction with the Slow Flowers Summit last summer. Who would have thought that an herb garden or kitchen pantry could yield a color spectrum ranging from soft and subtle blushes to vibrant indigo? In keeping with seasonally harvested and foraged botanicals, nature's pigments elevate a floral design to a new level, and we anticipate that artists will continue to experiment with petals, leaves, seeds, or bark to expand their design palette with textiles. 
In many ways, plant-based dyeing reflects a broader maker shift touched on by many of the items noted in this report. Embracing these home arts and techniques and adding them to your repertoire gives your brand and your clients something new and unforgettable. And I encourage you to continue exploring the many ways you can communicate your brand through artistic endeavors that set you apart in the marketplace. Well, I'm ready for 2018 as Slow Flowers grows and reflects the ideas and passions of its members. Please join the Slow Flowers community and get involved in the projects and programs that help you differentiate, diversify, and distinguish your brand. Happy, happy new year as you join me in dreaming big with a newfound optimism for the floral future. And remember, you can find links and photos to many of the ideas discussed today in our episode 330 show notes at DebraPrinzing.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 266,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you to each one of you for downloading, listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. If you value the content you receive each week, I invite you to show your thanks and support the Slow Flowers podcast with a donation. The button can be found on our homepage in the right column. Your contributions will help make it possible to transcribe future episodes of the podcast. Thank you to our family of sponsors, Certified American Grown Flowers. The Certified American Grown program and label provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit AmericanGrownFlowers.org. Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of 50 family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing high-quality American-grown peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top-quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry with the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds. Supplied to farms large and small, and even to backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnny'sseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. 
The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at kinetictreefitness.com. Thank you.